Along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about what to say to banks when they ask you some curly questions. This specifically <laughs> comes from a listener of the show, and I'll read you a situation, and then Andrew will talk about how he would respond for this. So this is an investor who has got 100k worth of usable equity in their home that they can service. So they want to take out this 100k of usable equity from the bank, borrow it from the bank, bank A, let's call it. They want to go to bank B and get it extra 400k, use that first 100k from the first bank as a deposit so they can go buy a house presumably worth 500k. Now, they've gone to bank A, their first bank, their main bank, and they've said, hey, can I have a top up? Or actually in this case, can I increase the credit limit on my offset mortgage so that I can access this out? And they said, what do you want it for? To which case he said, Andrew, what I'll come do I right say? Back to you. <laughs> I'll come right back to you. So, Andrew, what would you typically say in this situation? And first, maybe start off by talking about what an offset mortgage is so people can understand this. Sure. So, offset mortgages, basically, you take out the mortgage, but any credit balances in your account will offset the amount of interest that you pay, hence the name offset. Now, you actually draw down the facility and the money goes into your account. Now, one thing I would mention here is that banks are probably less likely to do the advance in this situation because the money's going into your account. It's a lot more tempting that way to spend it on a new car or a jet ski or on black. So what you are probably better off doing is asking for a revolving credit facility. Now, a revolving credit facility works similar. You only pay interest on what you use, so therefore there is an element of offset, but the funds are available at any time. Now, just one thing to note here is at the moment, banks are being quite conservative about how large people's revolving credit limits are. And so I know actually, and I've just made a note for myself to call a broker after after the recording of this, one of my clients at the moment who wanted to set up revolving credit facilities in the amount of about $500,000 so that they could put money into it and offset the interest that they pay. The bank said, no, they don't want to do a revolving credit for that amount of money. And so so now they're kind of renegotiating how they structured the loan. And just to clarify with that, so in this case, say this person's mortgage was 500K, they're talking about increasing it to 600K, but the bank puts 100K into their account. Correct, correct. But of course, the 100K that's in the account offsets the amount of money that's on offset. Now, just just a technical detail here. If you've got a uh, 100K in the bank and you've got your 600K on fixed, offset doesn't apply. You do have to have that component or at least 100K of that on floating so the offset links up and it does have to be in a related party account. So you can't have 100,000 in a business account offsetting a personal name for tax implications. So you might have the 100K in one individual's name and have their loan and joint name. So that's okay, generally speaking. But in an instance where it's a, a separate entity, a trust or a company, Company, it doesn't necessarily link in or it, it won't. So revolving credit might be a better way of structuring it in this case. And the reason for that is banks see a revolving credit as, okay, well, the money's available, but you're not necessarily as attempted to spend it because you're going to go into overdraft. It's overdraft at a home loan rate, so it's effectively the same rate and it is the floating interest rate. So you probably, it's, it doesn't make any difference from how much interest you're going to pay, generally speaking. But from a bank perception point of view, I would imagine that you'd find it 
far more successful asking for an application where you ask for a revolving credit rather than adding 100k in saying, well, I'm just putting the money in my account. Now, my second point that I want to bring up here is you have to be honest with the bank because if you tell the bank a lie, they're probably going to figure it out because they're going to see the money go out later on. And no matter how tricky anyone wants to be, banks are pretty clever as well. And they've seen this kind of stuff all before. I think it's really important if you're asking for, and and look, uh, uh, by the way, just for the listener of this question, I'm not suggesting you're trying to do anything dubious. You're just wanting to make sure you don't say the wrong thing. I do have instances where people say, hey, look, I'll get the 100K and I don't meet the bank servicing criteria. And so I just won't tell them what I'm going to do. I would advise against that for those kind of people. And just clarify for me there, Andrew, what do you mean by not meeting the bank servicing criteria? Because assumedly, they're not going to lend you 100k if you can't service it. Yeah, so this is kind of the next point of my question. So if you are going to buy a property worth $500,000, and that's going to be an investment property, and you're with, let's just say, ASB for now, so you're with ASB, if you don't meet their servicing criteria for the full 100k based on your loan, your credit cards, your situation now, plus the new loan and the new rent, then not going to give you the money. And so in that case, you've got two options. Either you don't do it, or you go to another bank that will approve that lending based on their servicing criteria. Now, I imagine that this potential investor hasn't actually gone through the servicing checklist. They've just they've just asked their bank to extend the 100K. What I would suggest there is actually, first and foremost, use a broker. Ask whether or not you meet the bank's servicing criteria. That's the first question. And then the second question is, do I meet B and Z's criteria, which is where I'm going to do my other 80% loan, for example. And so then what B and Z are going to look at is, can you service the full 500k based on your current situation? And ASB are going to look at that based on your full situation. And you have to be able to meet both of those. Now, again, my guess is that this particular listener is asking this just because he doesn't know what to say. He's a little bit embarrassed about cheating on his bank. And the one thing I would say here is, don't be upset about cheating on your bank because at the end of the day, you're doing what's right for you and you're protecting your assets. You've got nothing to be ashamed about saying, hey, look, thanks very much. I'm quite happy having my personal mortgage here, but I listen to these crazy guys on the Property Academy podcast and they bleat on about split banking. I think it's an important thing to do to mitigate the risk of taking on investment debt by protecting my house or exposing it as little as possible. There's nothing wrong with that. I know it can be a little bit of an awkward conversation, particularly if you've got a business banker that you deal with at your bank who uh, works with you all the time and has been really helpful for you and you feel a bit guilty getting 400000 from a new bank. But I think it's just important to point out that that is a sensible thing when you're expanding an investment portfolio to spread the risk a little bit. And so, again, don't be ashamed of that. Just tell them the truth. Now, actually, Ed and I were talking off air on this. And I gave the example of a developer that I know quite well. He's a friend of mine. And he actually did something where he he didn't lie to the bank. He just didn't tell them the full truth. Now, the bank, which was Westpac in this instance, found out what he did later on. As a result, they have blacklisted him. So he cannot do any lending with Westpac Bank. And actually, because he's a developer, probably any clients that go and buy or investors that buy properties off him, they probably fall under a certain amount of scrutiny as well because they don't trust this particular developer because he did this one thing. And by the way, I know what the thing was. It wasn't that big a deal, but the bank saw it as pretty serious at the time and it actually caused him a bit of grief. 
The important thing to note as well is that in this instance, it would be probably prudent to use a mortgage broker as well. We typically wouldn't recommend dealing directly with the bank because a mortgage broker can have these conversations for you on your behalf, especially if this question comes from, and we are having to read into it a little bit, but if it comes from that embarrassment of working with a banker, look, just outsource it to a mortgage broker. They're not going to charge you anything generally and can potentially get lower interest rates and help you structure those mortgages effectively as well. So, so a couple of things to think about just from this one, but instead of potentially asking for an offset, potentially ask for it in a revolving credit and take out the money here. And it's important to note that this really comes into effect when the banks have different servicing criteria. You know, for instance, because if you're going to bank B, they're going to assess all your lending anyway, right? Right? under their servicing criteria, including your owner-occupier mortgage and any new investment mortgage. This is really coming into effect where you might not meet Bank A's servicing criteria because it's stricter than Bank B's, for instance. So that would be, for example, if you were using a non-bank lender or ANZ, for instance, right now has looser servicing criteria than the other main four and banks. And ASB, actually. ASB have pulled down their servicing test rate as well. That's great news. What are they down to? I can't remember off the top of my head. Sorry about that. Happy days anyway. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I, why not come along to our free live event. It is Property Academy Podcast Live. We're coming to Auckland. We're coming to Wellington. We're coming to Christchurch. This is happening mid-September. Tap or swipe over the cover art to register for your free ticket. And hey, bring along a couple of friends as well. We can't wait to meet you and your mates as well. Or just go to opuspartners.co.nz slash pod event. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.